such an honor to be here with each and every single one of you. You know, I'm a young leader who stayed in the church. And, and honestly, here standing on this stage today, I just want to take a minute to honor you and to thank you on behalf of my generation. Thank you for leading tirelessly. Thank you for showing up every single week. Thank you for leading through a very divisive season. Thank you for having a whole conversation at a conference about how to reach the next generation. Thank you for showing up in our lives even when we don't make it very easy. Thank you for not giving up on our generation. Thank you. Because I really, really love the local church. And today, as a 26-year-old young leader, who honestly invests a lot of my life in helping other young leaders come back to church, I have a lot of leaders who ask me, why? Why did you stay? What, what kept me there? What was the secret I discovered? And you know, I don't know if I could have completely put it into words at the time, but as I looked back, I realized that it really wasn't so much to do with the sermons or the worship. It wasn't that much to do with the cool coffee shop that was in the lobby of our church. And it didn't even have that much to do with the carefully curated youth events that were geared to attract me. It was actually something far less flashy. It was a handful of leaders who made the gospel real to me through the way they loved me and the way they gave me an opportunity to live out my gifting and my purpose to build the church. But as I would grow older, I would actually come to realize two very sobering truths. One, I found out that the senior pastor of this beloved church where I was raised turned out to be yet another senior pastor who would have a devastating moral failure and have to leave his, his role. And two, I would find out that staying in the church after high school made me the exception rather than the rule. And I wondered why. Why was that happening? We've heard a lot of statistics over the last couple of days, and I think they're important. And Relevant Ma Magazine did an article all about some of the recent findings that they're seeing on the trends of Gen Z. Here is what they said. According to a recent survey done by Barna Research Group, 85% of Gen Z describe the church as hypocritical. And one third of them believe the American church is characterized by moral failures in leadership. Relevant Magazine said the question here isn't how can we draw the next generation back into church? Rather, the question we should be asking is, can we blame them 
for not showing up. So I began to wonder, why did I stay in the church? What was it that kept me there? And really, how do we reach a generation who largely don't trust the church or its leaders? And I think if we're going to adequately answer that question, we actually have to take a journey back 2,000 years ago to when this whole idea of the local church began. Right? When Jesus was here on earth operating as a human, one of the very first things he did to start his ministry, to, to start the journey towards launching what would become the local church, was he created his world-changing team. He, he built this, 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 this little group who would go on to build what is now known as the local church. And what I think is really interesting about the leadership of Jesus is he could have gone to the temple— he could have gone to the palace, but instead, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked to the shore, and he looked out into the Sea of Galilee, and he saw these two kids in a boat. And many of us know that theologians mostly agree that at the time when Jesus first called Peter and Andrew, Peter was probably in his early 20s, and Andrew was probably in his late teens. You see, this was the next generation of the day. 2,000 years ago, Jesus didn't go to the impressive or the experienced or the old. No, he went to the young kids rejected by every other environment, and he looked at them, and he said, you are the people I want to help build this church. And I think it's interesting that there was something that Jesus knew about how to engage next generation leaders of his day. Right? I mean, there must have been something in the invitation of Jesus that was so compelling to those next generation individuals that caused them to leave everything behind and get up out of their normal and walk into building what is now known as the local church. What was it that Jesus knew? We're going to dive into that story right now together in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And we're going to look at the example of Jesus and understand what he knew about how to engage the next generation of his day. Matthew chapter 4 says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. What did Jesus know? about the next generation that sometimes we miss. There, surely, if the next generation is walking away from the church, but in reality the church was founded on the backs of next generation leaders, there's something that we're missing. There's something we've forgotten about the invitation of Jesus. I believe there are actually two things that we can see in the invitation of Jesus that we too can replicate if we want to invite the next generation back into our churches in ministries. I think we see two things in the invitation of Jesus that we would do well to model as well. First, we see that Jesus invited those young leaders to rebuild the ruptured 
parts of our world. And two, we see that Jesus gave them a family to fight alongside. Jesus invited these next generation leaders to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world and to find a family to fight alongside. You see, when Jesus invited those kids out of their boat that day, he wasn't saying, hey, come out in my, hang out in my club. He wasn't saying, hey, come to this really cool event. He wasn't even promising any really good pizza for them to, to have that night. No. Jesus had a bigger vision for these young leaders. He saw something in them. He knew they were capable of more than society had told them they were capable of. And so he invited them to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world and find a family to fight alongside. And we can do that for the next generation as well. Number one, how do we do that? How do we invite them to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world? Like I mentioned, the next generation in your community, right here in Boise, I do not believe that they're looking for another event. I don't think the next generation is just looking for another great hangout. I don't think the secret is better lighting or bigger stages. I believe the next generation is desperately looking for a place where they can rebuild the ruptured parts of our world. You see, they can find hangouts and events on their college campuses and at a coffee shop and in their environments. They can already find that in the world. They're looking for something different, something deeper. They're looking for an opportunity to serve their neighbors. They're looking for a way to solve the actual injustice they see all around them. They're looking for a way to be sent out into their community to make things look different. They want, they desperately want to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world. But are we doing that? Are we offering that to the next generation in our communities? And number two, they're looking for a family to fight alongside. Not just a group of friends that they do small group with once a week. Not just some people they see at the, the, the service on Sunday morning and sometimes they go out to lunch with after. Again, they can find that other places in the world. They're looking for the kind of people who would actually want to link arms with them, the kind of people who would journey with them, the kind of people who will be there for them in their lows and their highs, and also who will partner with them to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world. You see, the kind of family that the next generation is looking for is the kind that will say, I will go with you into places of injustice. I will go with you into places of darkness. I will go with you to charge forward and make this world look more beautiful and hopeful and just is filled. They want a family to fight alongside. And again, are we giving that to the next generation in our churches? Are we inviting them to a hangout? Are we inviting them into a small group? Are we creating perfectly curated young adult events to try and fit in with what we think they want? Or are we learning from the example of Jesus when he said, hey, I want to invite you not into something easy, not into something comfortable, not into something that felt good, but into an opportunity to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world and then to be sent out together into the community with a family to fight alongside. This is the model that Jesus used, and it's the model 
that we can use as well. How do we do that, though? (laughs) That's the question, right? You know, in the book uh, Faith for Exiles that's released by Barna, authors David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock wrote this. A worthy goal for our churches is for every young person to grow up able to say, I know who God created me to be and how my purpose fits with his plans for the world. They said we should be asking the question, what can we do to influence each and every young person in our faith communities to be able to say that with complete confidence? So let's ask the question, are we doing that? for the young people in our churches and neighborhoods and communities and ministries. Since 2017, my team and I at Generation Distinct has had a vision to do just that. We believe that this is the way to see the next generation come back to the church. We do it through a six-month online program marketed and designed to equip the next generation to discover what we call the wrong they were born to make right. They're first attracted to this program by this idea that they're going to get to discover their passion, be educated on injustice, be given a community that's also passionate about changing the world, and understand their unique purpose but they also end up in a program strategically laced with the character of Jesus, the gospel, the great commission and the work of redemption. So at the end of this experience, they not only know their unique purpose, they also understand how their purpose aligns with the mission of Jesus. And this allows us to reach the next generation that might be skeptical of or disengaged with the church. And now we're launching our church partnerships over the last year. And now through these partnerships, we're now able to equip pastors with this tool to launch these kinds of cohorts in your own church community so that we can equip you to reach your goals of seeing the 18 to 30 year olds in your neighborhoods, in your community, in your area, in your city, come back to the local church. Friends, if we want to take the example of Jesus, it doesn't mean that we have to put on flashier, bigger, wilder, more expensive events. The next generation right here in Boise is asking the question, what does my purpose have to do with this Jesus that you talk about? And we have the answer. We know that the goodness of God is that he actually extends his purpose and his mission into every single human being. Which means that the young person in your community who really wants to start a coffee shop, 
because they really want to help the homeless people get off the street, now you can look at them and say, what if our church believed that that was really important? So we trained you and we mobilized you and we equipped you and we inspired other young adults to join you because you as the church mobilized that young individual to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world with a family to fight alongside. What if the young person in your church that really wants to start a podcast but doesn't have any idea of how it fits in with your church, what if you looked at them and said, hey, we believe that your voice matters so much because we know you're uniquely designed to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world, and hey, we're going to give you some community that's going to help you do that, and we have some resources, and we're going we're gonna to send you, and we're going to release you, and we're going to believe that you're going to reach people that we have never reached. Mission in the next generation is so much more individual than we've ever seen in the church, and that's really good news. And at Generation Distinct, we want to equip every single young adult in your church with a strategy to not just think that they have a passion that could change the world, but to understand how that passion aligned with the mission of Jesus and build a strategy to actually see that passion transform the city. We believe that we can model our invitation to the next generation after the invitation of Jesus to equip the next generation to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world with a family to fight alongside. You know, Relevant Magazine actually didn't end their article with that kind of sobering reality. They went on to say this. Speculate for a moment what might happen if the religious members of Gen Z grow up and stay in the church. A projection of all this data points to churches that are more diverse, more transparent, more compassionate, and in the surrounding community. Best case scenario, the Gen Z church looks like an active response, a push back really to the critique the church faces right now. Friends, what if Gen Z isn't actually the greatest threat to the American church? What if instead they are the greatest invitation to make a return back to what the church has always been about. Compelling mission, radical sacrifice, passion, purpose, joining people, arms in arms, locked together on a mission for something larger than ourselves. It's all right there in Acts chapter 2. So let's stop forcing the next generation to come and fit into the model of what the American church has become. And what if instead we started to listen to the voices of next generation leaders who were hungry for the very same things that young leaders were hungry for 2,000 years ago when they built what is now known as the local church. The next generation of leaders, they're ready. They're expectant. They're out there. They're ready to be reached. The only question is, Will we as the church be ready for them? God, we believe that you actually care more about the next generation than we do. 
God, we believe that your strategy was never to bypass the next generation. We don't think you are just content with where they're at. God, we know that you have given the next generation a heart, God, to see your mission advance. We believe that the passion they have for justice, the passion they have for unity, the passion they have for justice, the passion they have for diversity, the passion they have to make wrong things right in the world is actually from you, Lord Jesus. So equip us, send us motivate us, inspire us, give us the work and the words and the ability that we need to go out and invite the next generation to rebuild the ruptured parts of our world and invite them into a family to fight alongside. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.